series titled The Promises of Christmas. The Promises of Christmas. You see, we have many promises which come to us throughout every single day of our, our lives. But specifically at Christmas time, we remember these promises. Now, the first two weeks, I already said, we looked to two. We looked to hope and we looked to peace. Peace. I hope you're with me. I hope you've seen those. If you haven't, get online and listen to them, watch them. The first week, last week actually, last week we discovered God's promised hope came in the form of a person. In the form of a person, I hope you notice that it's not in the things, it's not in the materialistic, it's not in your jobs, it's not in your families or your spouses, your wives, as much as they do give you great hope in some things. The one true hope is Christ. It came in the form of a person. And this person, this hope, it comes at times of the past. It comes at times of the future. We have a great hope to look forward to. And that hope that we look forward to impacts our every single days. A couple weeks ago, we looked to the promise of Christmas that we have in peace. And we talked about three concepts. Not my original idea. I believe it's from Peacemakers. But it's, are you a peace breaker, a peace faker, or a peacemaker? And as we talked about that promise of peace, we look to Christ being the peacemaker. He's the one who brings peace to our lives. He's the one that brings peace amongst the sin. He wipes it away and he restores our peace with God the Father in heaven. And that peace, it never ends. Look to Christ as Lord and find peace. But then as you find peace, look to Christ as Lord and be a peacemaker just like him. Today, we look to the promise of Christmas in the promised joy. And we'll be in Luke chapter 1. We'll be in Isaiah chapter 40. And I'll have the scripture on the screen for you. You're welcome to open it yourself as well, if you like. We're in a wonderful time of year, aren't we? Christmas. Christmas, it's the most wonderful time of the year, despite all the chaos, despite all the shopping, despite all the parties, which are harder for some of you and easier for others. I must say, I love Christmas. I love all the parties. I love all the different, I love all the different um, Christmas light displays, all the festivities. I especially, though, love the Christmas meals and the Christmas cookies. Some of you know that. Some of you have already dropped off cookies to my house. And if I didn't give it to you then, I'm going to tell you I owe you a big hug because I love cookies. What better goes with a cup of coffee or a cup of hot chocolate? than cookies. Now, don't get me wrong. I love myself some pizza, some fried chicken, some other foods. They don't go good with my coffee, and they definitely do not go as well with Christmas as a good old batch of cookies. Cookies. They're great, but you know what I love most of all is the buying and the giving of gifts. The great thought that goes into all of this. Now, don't get me wrong. I also love receiving gifts, I think I could admit that with the cookies. That's a gift. I love the gifts. I love looking under the Christmas tree and seeing the gifts. I love trying to guess what's in that box. But I think what I love even more is the giving of that gift, the thought that goes into it. And some days, some years, I admit, I just want to not do the gift. I want to go buy a gift card because I put so much thought into that gift. You see, the thought of the gift is important. It means a lot. But here's the worst part of gift giving for me. And my wife can attest to this. I am not patient at all with the giving of the gift. 
I just get so excited once I have that gift that's had that thought put in mind that as much as I want to put it under that tree, what I really want to do is just walk over and say, why wait to Christmas? Here, take it now. Take it now. Enjoy the happiness that will come out of that gift. Enjoy the joy. I want to see the smiles. I want to see the laughters. I want to see the fun that they have opening it so much that I actually annoy my family greatly as when I get gifts handed to me, I don't open them because I want to watch them open first. I don't want to miss the excitement of watching them open that gift. And then when I do open my gift, I annoy them even more as I unfold each little fold and try and cut the tape just perfectly. Maybe you're like that as well. You see, when someone finds real or true joy in something, it's hard to hide it. And it's definitely hard to keep it to themselves. They want to share that joy. In fact, I think it's only naturally natural that joy that we have, that we know, we want to bring it to the people. And the same is true of God. God knew the joy that he had to come to the people. And God was eager to share the joy of Christ's birth. And we see that today in the scriptures, that before Jesus would even arrive, he would announce it to the people. He would give these prophecies. He would give these promises of things to come to be. Why? Because joy is not something to keep to ourselves. Joy is not something to keep to ourselves, especially the joy which comes through Christ, the Messiah. Jesus' birth God coming to earth as a human is the greatest gift that ever came to be. It's better than pizza. It's better than fried chicken. It's better than your cookies. And that's hard to say. You can still give me your cookies. I'll taste test them. I'll say they are magnificent. But here's the thing. My point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Jesus' birth is the source, the source of great and true joy. A life-fulfilling joy. You see, those Christmas cookies, they give me great joy to receive them. They give me great joy to eat them. But nothing gives life-fulfilling joy like Christ, the Messiah. And this was so important to God that he announced it hundreds of years in advance. There's a prophetic word given about someone who would come to prepare the world for the arrival of Jesus. And we'll get to that. But first, I want to read this. Isaiah chapter 40, 3 to 5 says this. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level in the rough places of plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You see, God's prom- God promises that there will be a time of preparation before Christ's birth. There will be a straightening and a leveling that would take place, ensuring the glory of God in Jesus would be made available for all people to see. When I read these verses, though, I can, I can see, I can sense the joy that God had announcing this. Hundreds of years before it would come to be, God announces this with joy. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He's excited to announce what he has coming. What he has coming for us. What he has coming for them. Jesus has come, but Jesus is coming again. And we can find great joy in this. Not just hope, we find joy. 
This is still true today that what was broken by sin would be made right. What was broken by sin can still be made right through Christ. What joy there is in that. God was preparing his people for the source of true joy to come in. And you see, I think it's important to prepare people. Think about ourselves as we're throwing a party. It's important to prepare for that party. It's important before the people arrive, if you ask me, before the people arrive, you want to have the plates ready. You want to have the napkins ready. You want to have the silverware ready. You want to have the food ready, at least most of it. Sometimes if you're barbecuing, it's fun to let people see it on the grill, smell it, see it come off the grill and serve it fresh, juicy, tender. I like food. Here's the point. God promises in the Old Testament that the people of God will see a great preparation taking place. God doesn't want them to miss this sign. Any barriers will be removed. The one barrier which remains and still remains today is simply man's sin. That's the only barrier. And the problem is sometimes we become hardened by our sin and that's the only thing that's getting in the way because God wants the world to know Jesus. God wants you to be preparing the world for this as well. Let's move forward as we look to the story of Zechariah today for our main text. In Luke chapter 1, verse 1, verse 11 to 17, we see this story of Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest serving in the temple. And we find him in the temple burning incense in worship while people are praying outside. You can read along with me on the screen here. If you want to be really awkward, you can read along with me on the screen in the back too. But that might look a little funny. Let's read. Uh, Well, just follow along as I read. And it says this. And there appeared to him, this is Zechariah, in the temple, burning incense, worshiping. All of a sudden, it says, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord. Sound familiar? God does great things through great announcements, great proclamations. And here we have an angel appearing to Zechariah, standing on the right side of the altar of of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear your son, and you shall call his name John. John. We're looking to John today, and Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist is who we're talking about, and it says, You will have joy and gladness in this son. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. I underline this. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Prepared. That's what God was doing with these prophecies, with these promises, with the announcements. And that's what God is doing in this scene. Is he is, he's fulfilling a prayer in Zechariah and Elizabeth. But he's all doing it to fulfill his promise. And to prepare his people for the coming Lord. Now listen to this though. This is a bit crazy, isn't it? Zechariah is serving in the temple, worshiping Lord, lighting some incense. I mean, think about this. I just lit these candles. Hope, peace, joy, the pink candle. 
How crazy it would be if I was lighting these candles and all of a sudden this angel appeared before me, beside me on the right-hand side. I think we might fall to our knees as well, or we might just fall backwards on our backs, kind of like, what is going on here? He startled and gripped at the very least. But the angel, what is very common in all the other Christmas stories we read too, is he says, fear not, or he says, do not be afraid. Why? You'll find joy. You'll find gladness. His prayers will be answered. They will give birth to a son, and they're to name him John. The angel says, he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. The child will be filled with the Spirit of God, and he will be kept free from wine, from form in a drink because he had taken Nazarite vow. This was not just any boy. This was a very special boy of which God had very special plans for. He would enter the world proclaiming through his life in the wilderness the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Messiah. He had an important job. Because of his life, there would be many who would be brought back to the Lord. Because of his life, he would prepare people for something wonderful. The arrival of the Messiah. John would bring joy. John would, would have joy. And his family would too. He will be the one calling the wilderness and making a joy for the arrival of the Son of God, Jesus. Here's my point too. And I think you see this in their life, but it also is very true to our life. You see, it is a joy to prepare others to experience God. We can look to these scriptures and we can see the same calling upon our life. One of the greatest joys of the Christmas season is not the lights, it's not the festivities, it's not the gifts, it's not even the Christmas cookies. It's being able to make these proclamations just like John would, just like the angels did. It's the joy of being able to prepare the way for others to see Jesus for who he really is. Last night, I found great joy in that Christmas parade. As I knew, I, I walked up and down the streets looking to the, the other parade floats, and I knew from what I counted, I could have missed some. I saw four floats out of however many were there which had the true story of Christmas. I found great joy going to every single person I handed a candy cane to and saying, Merry Christmas. Find hope in Jesus. God bless you giving them messages of true hope, true peace, true joy. It is a joy to prepare others to experience God. The way we speak to others, the way we treat others, whether it be physically or in our minds, it should be a joy as we're helping them to experience God in a rightful, good way. You see, the joy that they need to hear, or joy at all, it's in short supply. The world is hurting. There are people all over the world who are miserable. They're in over their heads with involvement in sin. They're in over their heads financially. They're in over their heads with physical health issues, with financial issues. They seem to be hopeless in their suffering. But there is one which brings hope through all suffering, and that is Christ. And it is possible to have joy despite your circumstances when you know that Christ gives the joy that goes over all circumstances. Now is the time to share the joy of Jesus. Now is the time to share Jesus with the world. 
And I'm not just talking about one group of people. It's so easy to say, kids, say, well, that's for my mom and dad. Mom and dad, you think, I'm so busy with my work. That's for my kids to do, right? All right, the, the seniors in here, it's so easy to think, well, you know, I'm retired. I don't really know anybody that's not a Christian. So that's for somebody else to do. How are we presenting ourselves? How are we getting into the community and meeting people who need to know this message? Because it's a joy and it's part of our calling to go and proclaim Jesus is coming. And Jesus is available to you now. You see, John had a calling upon his life. But it's our calling too, to go into the world and make disciples. Let's get back to the story. Zechariah's response. I want you to see Zechariah's response to the message given to him. And as you see his response, you're going to see there's a consequence to him. Luke 1, 18 to 20. Again, it should be up here on the screen for you. It will say, and Zechariah said to the angel. So first, we're seeing the angel appear. We're seeing the angel proclaiming to John what's about to happen. And now Zechariah speaks. And he says this. He says, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. He's doubting. He's doubting the angel before him. He's doubting God's plan. He's doubting God's power. And it says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. See, Zechariah, he's skeptical. He's doubtful. He's like, how could this be? And God would even use this to further glorify his plan as we'll see in the next point of scripture. But first I want to point this out. You see, because of his unbelief, because of his untrust, He is silenced and unable to speak until John would come into the world. And there's a point here, even when we disbelieve, even when we're struggling with doubt, we need to look to God's word. We need to see God's power. And we need to have full hope knowing that if anybody can do it, he can and he will. God can and he will accomplish great things, unbelievable things, because that's his plan. And you know, our part in this is to trust God and share the gospel news. Trusting God means sharing the good news, sharing the good news. Fast forwarding now, we see the birth of this promised boy. And I want to talk just briefly here, make point here. Elizabeth, we're talking about Zechariah, we're talking about Elizabeth, we're talking about John the Baptist. Who are these people? Well, Elizabeth is a cousin of Mary, as in Mary and Joseph. This means Mary just happens to also be the pregnant woman with baby Jesus, and Jesus and John are cousins. And from the time they're in the womb, they were connected by the Spirit of God. Let's read the story here. John 1, 57 to 66 tells of the birth of this John. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. I love that section. I didn't write this in my sermon, but I just want to point out the neighbors had seen God's great mercy, God's grace upon her, and they rejoiced with her. I firmly believe the world, your neighbors, they need to see God's grace upon you. They need to see God's mercy to you. They need to hear about it. 
if they're to rejoice with you, if they're to come to know what you know. It goes on, it says, And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke blessing to God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. Great things would happen through this child. Great things had already happened through this family. Great things happened to Zechariah when they fulfilled the promise, when they did what they were commanded to do. They said this boy's name would be John. And despite the others questioning it, despite the others maybe thinking this is unheard of, despite them going to, to now the, the father, Zechariah, and saying, is this really what you want to name him? This doesn't make sense. He said, yes. His name is John. And all of a sudden, suddenly, his voice is back. And what I want you to see is this. The first thing he does is give praise to God. John's name in Greek means graced by God. And they were truly graced by God. God has also been truly gracious to us. And my point number three, the final point is this. True and fulfilling joy comes from acknowledging the graciousness of God and embracing it. You see, true joy comes through Christ, but we must embrace it. Not just acknowledge it, we must embrace it. And then as we embrace it for ourselves, we proclaim it. We move forward blessing God, rejoicing God with our praise. His mouth was open, his tongue loosed, and he spoke blessing to God. That's his first response. So my question for you is this. After we look at this scripture, as we contemplate it and thinking even more into this Christmas season, what is our first response to God's graciousness in our life? It should be joy, and it should be praise to and in recognition of God's greatness of what he's graced you with. What is your first response to blessings, to God's grace, to God's mercy? Is it to phone a friend? Is it to write something on Facebook? Is it to go to your wife? All these things are good. But make sure you give credit where credit is due. Make sure you give your rejoicing to the Lord. When the word spread about John's amazing birth and Zechariah's recovered speech, everyone was in awe and wondered what amazing things John would do with his life. Well, we know John would go out into the wilderness and he would proclaim, he would prepare the way for Jesus, baptizing Jesus, baptizing many, preparing the way for God's kingdom. And God wants us to do the same. This Christmas, don't just think about the joy which you know. Rejoice in it, but proclaim it too. Let's work to conclude. God wants us to be joyful, filled with joy by the grace God's blessed us with, but also proclaim it. We have a great grace. Just like Zechariah, just like Elizabeth, we have been filled with gladness, with happiness, with joy through Christ's birth. 
through John's proclamation, we see what we should be proclaiming. This proclaiming that we know to be true, it's free. You don't need to pay for training. It's here. We could never earn God's grace, but we have it, and now we're told to go out and share it. So here's my point. We should be a people marked by joy because of this grace given to us from God in Christ. When we live our lives in the humble appreciation of graciousness, people see the joy. People see the hope. People see the peace that we have. And they do want a slice of it. But are you someone who displays joy? That's the simple question I have for you as we close. As you're in the workplace, as you're in your marriage, as you're in your family, as you're in schools, are you displaying joy? Are you displaying Christ in that joy? And kids, this is for you too. In many ways, our kids in this room, you have more opportunity than most to share the joy of Christ, to share the joy of Christmas with people. Every day you're going into schools with hundreds of kids around you, teachers and staff, who just need to hear, I am so excited for Christmas because I get to celebrate that God sent Jesus to be born as a baby for me. Don't overcomplicate it. Just think about this point. Are you displaying joy? Are you displaying Jesus? Are you someone who truly knows and have accepted and acknowledged? Are you someone who have embraced the joy of Christ for yourself? It's so easy to get distracted, especially this time of year around the holidays, as we get focused on all the things we need to do. But as we think about all the things, don't lose focus on the person that it's all about. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, came, was born in a manger, was laid in a manger, to be born king, born king, and to grow up placed on a cross to die for you. Rejoice in your struggles. Rejoice in all times because you know the joy of Christ. You know the hope. You know the peace which you have. Let's pray and close in song. Lord God, we thank you for the great joy that we have in Jesus. We thank for the hope, the peace which you've given us through your son. And we just pray this Christmas season, may we truly think, are we displaying these things to the people around us? May we not get so focused on the things that we fail to see the person of which we're supposed to be celebrating with the things. May we focus on Jesus, that this joy is the one true source of joy that is life fulfilling. And it's a joy it is a great joy to help others to experience God. And may we, Lord, just do this every day of our life, both within ourselves and our relationships, and with total strangers we meet, declare the glories of which is to be found through Jesus to you. Amen. Gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, time of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Oh.
Thank you for worshiping with us today. Please stick around. We have a very important business meeting we need your attendance for. And I do want one quick more announcement. If any one of you has an interest in doing some Christmas caroling this year, we didn't put it on the calendar because it seems like a very busy year, but it is something which some have expressed some interest in doing. We haven't skipped one year Christmas caroling since I started it six years ago, and it is a great joy. So send me an email or a text message, a phone call, just see me. Let me know if you're interested in Christmas caroling, and we'll put a date together, a time to go out and proclaim the true reason of season in that way. Uh, please stick around. We will take a, it's 1028, we'll take a 10-minute break or so, reconvene at 1040 for the business meeting. Kids will still have a Christmas program practice over in the gym with a few adults heading that up. Thank you. God bless. Mm-hmm.